How many mics do we? Government, the other day. Right it away, right it away. Funky on the mic like an old batch of cops. my mind can't remember how many asteroids are still at heart. And no one's from the old school. Cause rapper's still a brand new tool. I say Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, this is not the Dad Joke channel. This is Same Old New School uh, with your boy Idris Goodwin. And Kevin Coble. And uh, this is where we chop it up on the weekend in hip-hop and uh, related culture. Um, and yeah, lot, lots to get into. You know, we spent the last two episodes talking a lot, you know, having much more open and fluid conversations about the protests. Uh, and so, and you know, in hip-hop preparing us and albums that were prophetic. And uh, in the meantime, we a lot of pop culture has dropped. A lot of albums have dropped. A lot of films have dropped. So we are going to try to get back on track uh, and talk about some of the things that, you know, the, the folks have been engaging with. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I, I think today I'm excited about our topics and, and everything that's been dropping. Um, I know that we want to start because there is a brand new Run the Jewels record mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. that came out uh, allegedly like maybe a few months prior to when it was initially scheduled for. Yeah, oh, okay, um, interesting. So, you know, I guess it's like, I, I wanna know what you think about the record. Um, yeah. I also just am curious as to what you think about Run the Jewels. Oh, well, so let me say that I uh, loved, so let me just back it up even further. Ever since Sound Bombing 2, Actually, Let's even go. before okay. Sound Bombing 2. No, it was Sound Bombing 2. Sound, I think Sound Bombing 2 was probably where I first heard Company Flow. It might have actually been earlier. They had a single called Eight Steps to Perfection. You found me. As far as I'm concerned, I got your asses in the urn bigger. The this is LP, uh, one half of, of Run the Jewels, was in a group called Company Flow. Uh, Seminole, independent, 90s, like, rapidly rap, hippity hop. Group very created, we created like the New York backpack '90 era sound. I yeah, mean, like that really, was Rockus like, Records. Yeah, like mm -hmm. and then later Def Jux mm -hmm. LP went on to create the, the the architect of that of that sonic like foundation there, and yeah, put on for you know countless countless what were what at that time were considered underground groups. Yeah, and really was um, one of the engineers I think of hip hop's sort of second big. You know, hip hop starts with you know Def Jam and Cold Chillin and all those out you know labels that popped up in the in the late in the early eighties. Really, I mean, were all the original independent hip hop labels. And then, um, you know, the, the next big era, I would say, is, you know, the era of Raucous and, and Def Jokes. And I know that's when I started moving away from just being a fan to participating in rap music. And it was because these guys were like, yo, you can do this. Like, you can press up a white label, get it to Fat Beats, send it to the college DJs. And, and that was, you know, and, and for a while, the LP was like one of the kings of that with with Def Jux. So so I've been a fan for a long time. I also just like his aesthetic, this kind of like dystopian, noisy. I mean, it was really just reminding me of what the Bomb Squad was trying to do, except he wasn't really doing it as much with samples, like obscure samples, but a lot of like synth stuff. And he was like, really- It wasn't as funky. It was more like dude. that stripped down industrial, like yes. starkness. So you're, you're right, you're yeah. right. It is dystopic. Yeah, yeah and, and really kind of moving away from the sort of, groovy dusty samples but more into just like an empty you know post-industrial new york sound and so then he, he produces killer mike's album rap music rap music 
which I love. The end of the Reagan era. I'm like Lemma 12 old enough to understand the shit that changed forever. And I'd always knew about Killer Mike from Outcast, but he was not an artist I was ever really sort of checking for. It was just like, oh, I know Killer, you know, he's the guy that shows up on their tracks, on Outcast tracks. Uh, but rap music really kind of knocked me on my ass because it's such an it's such an unlikely pairing, you know what I mean? And it's it's like, you know, sort of it harkens back to that earlier era in hip hop when it was more raw and exciting and people weren't doing things that were formulaic. It was like, yeah, let's put the Southern rapper with the like, you know, New York indie synth dystopian like rapidly rap guy and see what happens, you know. So um, I've been a fan like since then. Um, so yeah, that's like my general run the jewels spiel. Before we get into our RTJ four, that's how I feel about run the jewels. Kevin Covell, where do you park your car in the run the jewels uh, parking lot? Well, I think it's you know it's probably instructive to talk about the record because I think it's it's how I feel about them that they do represent this incredibly balanced dialectic in the culture and in the sound um, that there is a real distinct quality between the sparseness of New York post-industrial rap and I think you're right to call it that because it's like LP is really kind of taking the parts of an emptied factory in order to create the sound for that era yeah and then there's such flavor from like that dungeon family yeah. sound all of that blues all of that murkiness that muddiness that comes from you know from from the south and and that is in outcast records and goody mob records and that killer mike inherits because he's part of that yeah. continuum and that family and to strike that balance i think it really goes to like you know unify spaces that have sometimes been uh, contrary to one another mm -hmm. or even pitted against one another. And so, you know, for that alone, um, I'm a fan not only of, of Run the Jewels, but but also of this record. And and I probably mm -hmm. would say that for me, this is probably my favorite record of theirs, front to back. That's funny because it's my least favorite. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, I, I, I think, I don't know what it is. I think it's one of those things where, and listen, it's not, it's good. It's like, you know, they're good at, what they do right they do yeah i think it's actually me i think it's me i think the record's fine and i think so much of their music to me is about motion and i i usually listen to their mu music when i'm driving when i'm walking or when i'm at the gym and i've not been doing as much of those things yeah. and right. i think i think there's something about it my life is so digital right now and so frenetic that I, I try to listen to the album and it just, it, it, it's the timing of it. And it's also weird because their music is such like, um, it, it's such Antifa kind of like overthrow the government music. And because that's actually happening right now, it just sounds a little like, it's like, I don't know. It, it's it's weird. I think the timing of it is really weird. It's like a, I'm, I'm having trouble connecting to it. And what's funny is I heard the single with Greg Nice. I've tried to listen to the album like three times, man, and it just doesn't, it's not like I dislike it, but it feels, it just didn't surprise me. I don't know. It's me. How You say more. Though. Yeah. I'll, I'll say why I like it. I, I yeah. won, um, the Holy Kalama Fuck is, I think, mm. just a great song. I think that that's the song I put on the mixtape. Mm. Um, 
you're right that that it does feel like they i mean they, they literally did rush it to the moment and yeah. i think that they in my mind what happened is that they had a track list and maybe they pulled the the op the intro track either from the pile of songs that they maybe weren't going to have on the record or mm. pushed it to the to, to to be the lead of the record the yankee and the brave ah, um you know, there, there's some collabs on here that like, I mean, the Mavis Staples collab is yeah, incredible. And, and I love that they that they called upon yeah. Mavis Staples. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, at this point, like for some reason, this is a very unpopular pen. I am, I don't know, man, Pharrell Williams just on a record right now feels like a Pharrell, Pharrell Williams on every record. And so that that track to me is a miss. But other than that, other than that, other than that, I feel like actually there's no skippables. You know that I just am able to play the record, you know, front to back. And you know, look, I, I think Killer Mike has um, taken some some heat for some of yeah. the stuff he said on this record, uh, but. I think to your, you know, we talked about it yeah. last week, I think. I mean, he really is just on his, like, alt identity. Yeah. And I think he is airing feelings that are indicative of the ways a lot of people feel right now. You know? I think that's I think that's absolutely right. And I think that he, he should not be held to that. Like, to me, that's such a, that's such a very, like, tipper gore kind of, like, you know, way yeah. of looking at me. Yeah. Like, in your honor, he says on track 13 that he's going to let his, he's not going to pick up his dog's crap. Right. And I present yeah. to you Exhibit A. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's also, that's a great uh, Judge Wapner um, uh, <laughs> trial. I, I want to see that in the people's court, you know what I mean? <laughs> where, where, <laughs> where they take Killer Mike for not picking up his dog's poop. He is the thing. Um, that was a little bit of my killer. <laughs> That's right. Mike. You do a good killer, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, yo, can I can I tell you something? I know I know we got to move on to the topic, yeah. but this is, I do I do want to say this. Thinking about the longevity and import of LP's career, it's probably not that big of a deal to say he might be and probably is the greatest white in rap. Oh yeah. I, I think that's easy to say. You know what's interesting? I went back and listened to his his interview on uh, another another podcast, and he was taught that came up, and it was about him and Eminem were pretty much like they were because they were both on sound bombing, and it was like they were the two guys. And think about how diametrically different they are in some ways. I mean, they're they're similar. Uh, uh, they're similar in a way that like they both like came up in black spaces, like rhyming in black spaces. Um, and that's where the skill level comes in is coming up in these authentic spaces. I think Eminem goes the very pop route and LP goes even further into the indie route, but it's, is trying to make indie have the same sort of like impact of pop. So in a, in a weird kind of flip flop universe, he became the pop of, independent music you know what i mean yeah yeah that's yeah. that's interesting that's an interesting point yeah. you might be i yeah. mean listen i mean, I mean and, and it's kind of ridiculous you know. and 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 you know malcolm london's in the comments saying there's no such thing maybe maybe what i what i mean to qualify it is is that perhaps he is one of the greatest accomplices in in the music you know what i mean that he he really 
puts on for and with. And Stan's, I think, also in his interviews heard him say, like, he's very much in solidarity with black folks and I think understands his position uniquely in the culture. Um, and also just probably makes the best music that he's the most original from a yeah. 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 He's original. He's an original. Like, and, and he tells the story on this other podcast about his father. Like, his father was this just jobbing jazz musician, just around, playing in restaurants, little clubs. And, you know, his pops, like, just loved it and was passionate. And, like, you know, he, he talks about, like, here. Anyway, I don't want to regurgitate what, what he said on some other podcast. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, no. Interesting figure, man. And, 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 and to think about his, his longevity in the game and how, how many changes he's made in the game is uh is worthy and and even like the 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 union of him and mike it makes no sense and that's kind of why i love it um and i think that's what we need you know especially with Facts, that, to me yeah. that's what hip-hop is it's like my style your style let's build something new you know so all right yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. i know i'm gonna like it later yeah. i just think it's, yeah. it's, it's something about my brain right now is not letting it in it's just like no yeah. no no you don't want this right I, now no, I think I think they they bring out the best in one another, and and I, we're going to keep it pushing, right? Um, oh yeah. So this is yes. I mean, you are listening to the same old new school, the Suns podcast on Vocalo Radio. I am one of your co-hosts, Kevin Koval, and I am the other co-host, Idris Goodwin, and this is where we talk about the weekend hip hop uh, and related culture. And speaking of that, speaking of related culture, Kevin, I need you to help me figure this out. I'm, we're gonna we're gonna come up. We're gonna answer this question live on air um, in front of all of the listening public. The Bruce Lee documentary, Thirty Thirty documentary, ESPN, Be Water. Um, Bruce Lee, I, I think there's what, what I call there there are the hip hop's founders. There's Cool Herc. The man with the soft touch, Herc Herc. Old school. You know, there's Grandmaster Flash. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going on. And then there are the spiritual godfathers, right? There are the, the people that influenced those people. They were the people that, you know, the, the originators of hip-hop were trying to be like. So Muhammad Ali is one, obviously. I'm so bad, you know what I've been doing? Last week I went out to the jungle. I wrestled with an alligator. I tussled with a whale. Out of handcuffed lightning, so stunned in jail. I'm bad, man. James Brown is another one. You will not be and the other one, other one is Gil Scott Heron. You will not be able to plug and in. And then the other one is um, Bruce Lee. Now, with those other ones I named, it's very easy to make that connection. Okay, it's poets, it's dancers, it's rhymers. Why is Bruce Lee mad hip-hop, son? All right, I think for a number of reasons, yeah, right? Okay. First of Get all, you know, for, first of all, he is, you know, consciously creating or edutaining in, to counter colonialism, Right. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I found fascinating about some of what he was trying to do in his uh, movies in Hong Kong was to counter Japanese colonialism and, and state rule. Right. Yes. So he was trying to he was trying to overthrow the yoke of, of, of the colonial system and the colonial master and put on for an equity when it came to, um, you know, Chinese folks. That's one. Two, because um, hip hop, of course, like is a is a anti-colonial art form um, Two. He, he finds himself in Oakland, right, around yeah. the same time as the Black Panthers are also beginning to organize. Mm -hmm. And so he's in the same literal spaces as, 
Atrap Brown and Eldridge Cleaver and is running in, you know, like Oak, like on some Oakland shit, like radically diverse communities mm-hmm. and, and teaching, you know, this philosophy and this self-defense mechanism as the Black Panthers are teaching a self-defense mechanism to, you know, to the public that, that he had in his classes. So that's two. I think that because he also got a start in Oakland and was around that same spirit um, of the defiance uh, and community effort of the Black Panthers that he's he's mad hip hop. And then three, I think is because his films get played, uh, you know, on on repeat for latchkey kids and kids who went to uh, 50 Cent movies Mm -hmm. in Times Square. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the foundation in terms of the aesthetics are like laced in his movies because his movies, you know, and he did not do a ton of movies, at least that got, you know, play here, um, are very much about, you know, the individual countering that, colonial rule and so i think like if you see that if you're if you're a kid in the 70s or if you're a latchkey kid in the 80s witnessing you like watching his shit on kung fu sundays or saturdays or whatever it was that 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 had resonance for us i think that's i think that's all very accurate i also think it's significant to say that he is you know there there's you know obviously kung fu movies the grindhouse era all that you know rizza talks about it but they're all from you know, they're all from Asia. They're all from China, mostly, right? And Bruce Lee is an, is an American. He's an American-born um, martial arts master making, you know, his first couple films, you know, that, that his first couple very popular martial arts films are made in Hong Kong, but he's also an American. And he, he's got some of that flavor. And I think he embraced a lot of that. I mean, he wanted to be, he wanted, he wanted to, you know, he embraced that America. He was hanging out with Steve McQueen. He's hanging out with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, you know, he liked, he was also just cool. He was like, he had that cool too. Um, so yeah, I think there's that as well. And I also think that um, to your point about like being in these diverse spaces, I think it's something he also embraced because he embraced, he said something that really surprised me in the documentary. He said, um, he's anti-style. He's like style becomes law, which is which I loved is that it was all about it's all about like this flow. And I think that there's something in that to me that reminds me of freestyling and and that he's this deeply philosophical person. And it's all about like movement and motion and fluidity and adaptability. Right. And that to me is like the philosophy of of freestyling, of, of freestyle you know, in, in hip hop, not even just with rapping, but like when DJs talk about freestyling or B-boys talk about freestyling, it's like, it is about mastering all these moves, but then just throwing them out and just being lost in the flow of the music and responding to the room and, you know, being present. And so I think some of that, I think the philosophical part of it is also a bit, a big useful thing. I think people that's intuitive that people just, you know, unspoken perhaps, but everybody feels it but that thing about style was really surprising to me i was like damn that's a bar yeah well to your point i mean the title be water comes from a quote that he says and that is very much about flow and and keeping it pushing and and i think that has very much to do with the culture the quote that i took from him is kind of about i think pedagogy that we use as and that we learn from hip-hop um he said that i cannot teach you i can only help you explore yourself come on you know what i mean and 
and and that and that's i think like i i think that's what what hip-hop taught us about ourselves yeah. and then i think i think that's the work that we do is as uh, educators who are rooted in a hip hop pedagogy, yeah. you know, is on some, is on some Bruce Lee shit, and I think that's the that that's the educational philosophy that he, you know, um, exhibited in his classes. Also, to the uh, you know his the sounds that he would make, you know what I mean, like when he would like do his moves, just remind me of James Brown, just that kind of just sticking, and and Muhammad Ali too, like these these signature sounds, and it reminds me of like Joel Ortiz with the Yawa and like other, you know other MCs who have, you know, like you you have your own set of sonics and your own you know he the way he moved and did his thing it just was different it was different than you know a lot of the other martial art films of the time you know it just his style was it's ironic that he says style is law but he had such an iconic you know style um and also his rejection i mean his rejection and intention of of some of the traditional um you know he invented he, he just took the best parts of uh, other forms uh, and just on some colla on some sampling, on some shit, sampling right? shit. He just didn't want to yeah. be. He wanted to be free and relevant. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think we, I think we've made some compelling arguments here that Bruce Lee is mad hip hop. I feel like they cannot I be argued, so. and anyone who disagrees is wrong. Um, and 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 Rizzo obviously also like went through all of his films to pull samples, particularly for that first yeah. Wu record. Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear it watching the documentary back. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh shit, that's at the top of this. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's exactly. yeah. Um, well, word. So this is same old new school. Idris Go and Kevin Cole in the building, and uh, you know, on this on this viewing tip, a lot of great things to watch. Uh, and we were gonna wait to talk about this because it just came out, but like. Eight million people have seen it already, so I feel like we might as well get into it, which is, you know, Dave Chappelle drops this special on on YouTube, um, 846, and uh, yeah, let's get into it. I mean, first, let me just say that, and I'm glad this, he did this because we didn't get it, because this happened before we started this show, and I really wanted to talk about it, which was I watched uh, Dave Chappelle get the Mark Twain Award. Uh, at Kennedy Center and actually I was in DC that weekend and I got invited and I was doing some stuff at the Kennedy Center and somebody was like yo they're honoring Chappelle tomorrow night do you want to extend your trip and stay and subtle come flex. see it subtle flex. and I was like no I was like nah I gotta get on back da, 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 da. and now in this like quarantine lockdown life I'm like Dog, why didn't you go? Like, you know what I, mean? I should have just gone. And and especially watching it and just seeing like everyone who was there. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why in my head I just thought it was gonna be like mad stuffy and just like here you go, David Chappelle. Here's your award. Thank you. Like, I'm like, of course, like most Def's gonna be there and just a rapper and right. like, you know. Um, but watching it, it really hit me. I was like, oh damn, like, you know, because you know they gave Richard Pryor one. They gave. Um, Eddie Murphy won but watching Dave I'm like oh shit like he's one of us like he's the first hip hop comedian in my opinion you know Eddie's the spiritual godfather just like those people we were talking about but Dave is one of us he's our generation like he's he is a product of hip hop his comedy is a product like everything and so I was watching hip hop get this award for genius and satire and it just i don't know why it never crossed my mind before i think i just because i've just grown up listening to dave Chappelle, i was like it just all hit me 
how yeah so anyway that's it that's it so i just want to that's dope yeah yeah yeah. that's dope yeah well you could tell man because the the way he put together this half hour special or however long it was um had so many bars in it like he like it wasn't like you know was it funny i mean at at times it was funny but like it it just it was laden with bars And, and 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 i think what we saw him do was essentially create a piece where he was connecting the world via metaphor to his own life mm. and then encouraging us to like go deeper and also just i love what he kept saying like let this like this is this basically let the streets speak, yeah man you know That's right. um and and yeah man i mean i i think that um it 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 reminded me in some ways of a uh, like the the position that dick gregory played in the civil rights movement then to go from negro history week to black month i mean that is progress but black folks are not really happy because you wouldn't, you know, when they give us the money, it'd be the month of February <laughs> with all them days missing. You know, yeah. and, and, and the need for comedy and commentary yeah. um, is, is what Chappelle provided in, in this 846. Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. It also reminded me a little bit of Lenny Bruce when he was like going <laughs> and just like reading his court transcripts and stuff like that. Like, you know, but but that's comedy, man. That's, I mean, I think what I love is that he's such a master at this point. You know, I, I say he's one of these cats like, you know, I put my 10,000 hours in 20,000 hours ago. Like he's entering that territory that I'm going to say the name, okay? But I'm only talking about his comedy his comedy. Oh no! Oh no! I'm just talking about <laughs> his approach to comedy. We know, he, we know who you're talking about. Okay, but there was a point when this individual would would go on stage and do like three hours. You know what I mean? Of comedy, um, and that's what he's entering. Like he's entering that space of just being able of just being such a good storyteller and just like being able to just hold a stage um, that. It, it's beyond it now. It's beyond like we just sign up for his point of view. We sign up for his point yeah. of view. Like we don't sign up yeah. for punchlines and you know shtick at this point. Which you know he'll fall into that. But at this point, he's yeah, he's, he's talking. He's, he's we want him to tell the truth. You know, we want him to tell or or at least his truth, right? Yeah. Um. And and I think that's what 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 he's doing. And I, I think you're. I mean, yeah. To some extent, it's like. There's an energy. There's a craft. I, I was so impressed with the, his circularity. You yeah, know, I course, thought he yeah. like like he just he did such a good job of of what traditionally in joke it would be a jokes would be a callback, but he wasn't calling back a joke. He was calling back like numbers. He was calling back his own narratives. Yeah. He was calling back like this you know tragic lineage of black men who have been murdered whose names we've forgotten you know you know what i mean yeah. he, he he just was he, he did a really i think masterful job of weaving together a story that uh was was compelling for an audience in ohio to hear yeah right that was well the, and even and, the john crawford yeah. thing too which is like that's i mean there's so many layers yeah. to it because he's like this also happened here and it makes you right right now america is america i i i feel like i i feel like we are post regional we're starting to get there because like i just feel like we are in the same we're all in our houses and so now america suddenly became smaller and yeah it's trippy man it's a trippy thing that's happening and i can't wait till we look back on this moment in like 50 years or 30 years um speaking of looking back kevin Koval, 
we have fixed all the problems. And now it is time to say adieu to our listening public. We appreciate you. Make sure you check for us on Spotify. That is where you can find previous episodes uh, that are laced with some of the music and the songs you've been hearing about. Thanks to the homie, Justin Mayer. Shout out Justin Mayer. He's also making playlists to accompany uh, each episode. And so you could find those on Spotify as well. Same old new school. Vocalo is the channel. We'll be back here next week. Same time, 830 in the central, 930 in the east. Um, I don't know what time zones. 730 mountain, you know. 630 okay. on the west side. All right, y'all. There you go. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.